reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. So follow along. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place for which I sent you into exile. Exile. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it is defined as a state or a period of forced absence from one's home or country. That's exactly what we have going on here. The Israelites have fallen once again. They've been overthrown and spread out all across the Middle East. Today, we're just going to focus on the Israelites sentenced to, or exiled to Babylon. These folks have been forced out of their homes. They must move to foreign lands and follow foreign laws, where ultimately they're looked on as outcasts in this land. Outcast, that's another interesting word. Defined as someone who is rejected or cast out from society. Not a very pleasant feeling at all. But I think we all have been through that, seri that series of feelings too. I know all too well I have. Well, I don't know if y'all remember or not, but back in 2020, we had this little thing called COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, it wasn't big or nothing, but you know, it's called something. And with that came some strict rules and regulations from Avery to keep everyone safe. The administration requested that we not venture out too far from Danville. We had about a 50 mile max. That's about it. I lived 45 minutes, 45 miles away. So to me, I was running that, I was, I was fine. But of course, my natural 20 year old self was rebellious and stubborn. So I had to break these rules. You know, I'd go home to work, see my friends, my family, or I'd make the mistake of going to Blacksburg to see my cousin. And I can tell you, I only made that mistake one time. One time was enough for me. It was our second weekend back at school and my cousin was having a big cookout and he invited me up. So of course I had to say yes, I couldn't say no. There's bound to be so much more to do up there than Danville, Virginia, 20 years old. What can I do? And you know, of course, FOMO, I could not miss out on this. This is Blacksburg, Virginia. And I remember going up there, had a great weekend, no problems, nothing. I come back on Sunday, you know, get ready for class because, of course, I haven't done any homework. And come Monday, I go to my classes. I go to practice. Tuesday, the same thing. Then Wednesday, 9 a.m., I'm about to walk down to my tennis class right from the apartments. It's real nice, real easy. And I get this fun phone call from my cousin. Rings me up. Says, I said, hey, I'm on my way to class. What's up, man? He said, oh, I got to tell you something. I meant to tell you on Monday, but uh, forgot. So I'm going to tell you now. Two of my roommates that you stayed with all weekend, yeah, they tested positive for COVID. So, yeah, have fun. We're going to be up here chilling because, like, you know, I haven't tested positive. I don't have to worry about it, so we're just going to chill up here. I don't know what you're going to do, but, you know, whatever. And I told him, buddy, I've already been to class. I've been to practice, and I've been all through Danville. Have you met me? I'm a social person, man. I know – I." If I don't see a stranger, I will talk to a brick wall before I stay silent. And he said, well, I don't know what to tell you on that one, man. So mind you, it's Wednesday, 9 a.m. We have a little LiveSafe app to make sure if we can go to class or not. So I had to hit X immediately. 
dean of students, Dean Villarose, calls me up. Um, Mr. Bishop, can you explain to me why you have a red X? Yeah, my cousin tested positive, and I went to see him on Saturday. Mr. Bishop, it's Wednesday. I know, he just told me today. Okay, well, you need to go back to your apartment, stay in there, and we'll discuss what we're going to do from now on. Why did you test? What, what happened? Have you felt any symptoms? I went to Blacksburg, conveniently left out the word tech, had to. And so I'm in my apartment. Immediately, as soon as uh, that phone call ends, Blake Rulo, my head coach, calls me. What in the world? Choose me out. I completely deserve it, completely. Next phone call. My lovely mother sitting here today calls me and said, choose me out too. I didn't have the heart to tell my father yet because that's one thing I did not want to have to walk step through step. And the big guy scares me a little bit sometimes. So I wasn't going down that road. But needless to say, now we're in quarantine. 14 days in the Mountain View apartments. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not one to stay alone. I don't think there's been a day since then that I've gone alone without having some social interaction with somebody. So for me to be alone for 14 days, ooh, this was the scariest thing. I thought my mom was going to go. I thought I was going to start, start talking to walls. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was told, pack what you need. We'll bring food to you, all this stuff. I said, okay. So what do I pack? My TV, my Xbox, and a couple of video games. Nothing essential. Those are my essentials, right? That's what I needed. No school book. Forgot my laptop. No food. Oh, and about a week's worth of clothes. There for 14 days. There's no washer or dryer, but I brought a week's worth. That's enough, right? So, needless to say, I'm calling my roommates and, hey, can y'all help me out here? I kind of forgot some stuff. They're in quarantine too. I don't know if y'all remember this part. I remember it very well. If you exposed, this was back before we knew everything. If you were exposed, then the people you're around are now exposed. So I'm a very social person. It's Wednesday. I've already seen 100 people at least. So there's 100 people. This is like, you know, Danville or Averitt's a pretty small campus. Okay, let's be real. we got about 800 people on this. So that's about an eighth of the school I've already, you know, been around. And so now everyone's freaking out because if I test positive, oh, my gosh, that means 100 people are now in quarantine and the people they've been around are in quarantine. So, like, we were shutting down Averitt. If I would have tested positive, Averitt's done. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm getting suspended. They're kicking me out. I'm done. I'm angry. I'm I'm scared, and I'm, like, getting reminded of this constantly. And I remember just feeling so alone. I felt like an outcast. I know I had done wrong, but no one checked up on me. The only time someone talked to me from my friend group was, have you tested positive? You feel anything yet? What's the deal? Am I getting locked up too? And I just, I was felt in this pit of, like, just exile. I felt alone, cast out from everyone. And I remember talking to my one of my best friends at the time, Tony Blackman. And he said, man, dog, I know this stinks, but hey, take your lashes and let's move on from it. You know, you did the crime or my mom's favorite line. You did the crime, you do the time. So we're stuck here. We're going to have to make the best of this situation. And I did. It was the scariest thing. But I tell you, uh, you know, people held a grudge. Even when I got out, it was people still cut me off. I didn't get invited to, you know, our Sunday football games anymore. We would go out, we'd grill, and we'd come play, watch football, practice. My coach was like, hey, uh-uh, we might get you COVID. You go with the threes. This was my year. This was, this was a year I was supposed to, like, be a dog. That didn't happen. There's two more times of COVID incidents. But we won't go down that road today. Even though I never tested positive, people stayed away from me. They exiled me. I stayed in my room. I felt abandoned all alone for several weeks to follow. 
I just stuck in, I was stuck in this pit of not telling anyone. And it was, I felt like an outcast. All right, so what's this have to do with Jeremiah and the folks he's talking to in Babylon? Well, let's see here. Many Israelites were exiled to Babylon. While in this exile, there were a lot of Judean officials who still had connection to their homeland and people like Jeremiah. It wasn't an ideal connection or communication because it was just letters back and forth. It, was, it wasn't as bad as being cut off or being sold into slavery, which could have very well happened. There was still some hope in there. And now at first there was plenty of talk of dealing with false prophecies and hysteria. We're going home next week. We're going home. Babylon is going to fall. We're going, we're going to be saved. But we know this now that that was not the case. They were there for the long haul. And Jeremiah let his fellow peers know that this exile was a punishment from God. And he was telling them, to live, marry, and pray for Babylon because it is their home now too. When Babylon prospers, they too shall prosper. Now up through verse 10, we see how the way of life is now shifted and they have to make peace in this new land. And I mean, rebelling against God or rebelling against Babylon or even speaking about it is now an act of rebellious nature against God. So Jeremiah is telling his peers, relax, settle, settle down. This is a long haul scenario here. He's telling them, do something out of the ordinary here. Not only pray for yourself and your hope and your future, but pray for your neighbor. Pray for your enemy who is right there with you. You now are Babylonian people too. You are Israelites, but you are now in the land of Babylon. He is telling them to have hopes and plans for the future and not to get their hopes up to go to the, back to the Holy Land, but accept where you are in this moment, in this season of exile. Pray for your enemies and make peace because you're here. Jeremiah pretty much wanted to shut down any premature talks of returning home. These people were going to be here for 70 years. 70 years is pretty much a lifetime. They, again, are not coming home. Jeremiah is trying to get them to understand that in this lifetime, the promised land is going to be renewed for their generations to come, and they will be blessed with the return. This journey is not about coming home. It's not about what's going on in Babylon. It's about spiritual discipline. It's not till they have sought out the Lord with their entire heart, will their children and their well-being, will their children's children return. Now, don't get it twisted. God didn't just disappear in this period of exile. No, he was very much present. But the fact remains, in Jeremiah's letter, he made it clear that this is a time where emphasis is placed on inward and personal aspects of a true knowledge and a relationship with Christ, with God. Not until God rejoices at the discipline gained through generations with Will he restore his people from all nations and welcome them back to their homeland? So what's Jeremiah telling us here? To me, it's we can either sit in this pit, sit in this darkness, being alone in your apartment, playing video games instead of doing homework and getting down on yourself. Or we can take a pivotal change and, look, and take a look at how we look at a situation. We can look for hope and renewal rather than sit in sadness and pain. There are many times in our lives where I feel like, we feel like an outcast or feel as though we're in exile from those who we love. Maybe starting a new job or going to a new school, we can feel like an outcast for not knowing anyone. Maybe our friends stopped inviting us to things. Or we feel alone because we're injured and we can't go out. Or maybe we're physically or mentally uh, injured. Or maybe we're suffering a loss from a loved one. We must hold on when we get down or feel as if we're out of place or out of touch or all alone. It definitely is easier said than felt, but I know God is working through all of us. We are not alone on this journey, you know. 
We talk about the church and us as a community of believers, but in order to be a community that loves and respects each other in a room on common ground and through our differences, we must learn to love our, must learn to love ourselves just as God loves us. We must build a relationship with, with God, must build on our spiritual discipline so that even in the darkest times when things look grim, we can remember to pray to a God who loves us unconditionally. We got to remember who we put our faith in every day, even when we can't feel his works happening in the hard moments. I want us all to take a moment and think of a person who we dread seeing, whether it be a work colleague, a student maybe, sibling, possibly maybe one or two, or maybe someone here today. Take a moment. This week, I challenge all of us to look past our social differences, forgive past mistakes, look past what you want to change about that person who you're thinking about right now, that things that you just can't accept. Maybe they're a little different, a little weird, kind of annoying, or possibly have wronged you in some capacity. I don't know if you remember, but last week Drew talked a little bit about forgiveness. <laughs> you remember a little bit of that. Open the doors and show God's mercy and promise and love to that person in your mind this week. Now I invite Drew up here. <laughs>